Alrighty, so I am sitting here with the amazing actor and singing teacher, David Sabella Mills. He is a person who I've known for a few years now who I've been on panels with at the American Academy of Dramatic Art, and he has always caught my attention. But this year, amongst all years, is a year I had to stop what I was doing and say, David, you have to come in for an interview. Please tell the audience about who you are and what you do. Uh, well, I'm an actor, I'm a singer, uh, I'm a voice teacher. I am currently the president of the New York Singing Teachers Association, and uh, I'm on faculty at several places, Montclair State University, Fordham Summer Music Theater, and I'm the music director, uh, a director of voice and music for the Broadway Theater Project, uh, which is a summer intensive in Tampa, Florida. And oh, yeah. does Donna, 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 um... McKechnie? Yes, yes she, she works there? Yeah, she oh, did Oh, wow! Yeah, she comes down every year. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. I worked with her. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, it's the it's the creme de la creme of Broadway. Comes down everyone. I'm on the resident faculty. I'm there all three weeks, but people come down for a day or two or three days and put their new works on our students. Oh my gosh! Christopher Damboise came down and put a new choreographed a new piece on our students because he wanted to see, you know, piece he was working on how it worked and how it fit and you know great producers and casting directors and everyone comes down and, and spends the time with us, in addition to the resident faculty of actors and singers and voice teachers, etc. That sounds like the most amazing program. When I was a kid, that is something that, if I could have said, yeah. I would have done. Yeah, yeah. No, it is, it is intense. By day three, you think you've been there for four weeks already. It, it really is intense. But the kids come out worlds different. What age do you have to be to go to the program? Uh, well, we start the sort of adult division at 15, uh-huh. and it goes up to 28, you know. Oh, wow. It, there's not a young limit on it. Okay. Um, it's It's where you are in your career and uh, how we can help you. Is you it know? audition only? How do, how do it we... is audition. Mm-hmm. It is audition, and, you know, you have to excel in at least one of the three major disciplines, acting, singing, dancing. It started out as the dancer's camp to help the dancer to round out their acting and their singing. That was 24 years ago, and Anne Ranking started it mm-hmm. for that purpose. And uh, now it's fully become, you know, all three disciplines are treated equally. We have a lot of actors who come to work on their singing and dancing, and singers who come to work on their acting and dancing. And, you know, it it's pretty amazing. And they end with, you know, a big show. We do a big show. And you will love this because the resident faculty... Each member on the resident faculty is asked, what do you want to create? And what scene do you want to put up? And every three days of the project is a block. And so you get nine hours of rehearsal. Every three days, you could put up something new, and those components are then put into the final show. So you literally come down with an open slate. What would you like to create? Yeah. Oh my God! I'm sorry. I, I was. I didn't mean to interview <coughs> know, David right? on this, but this just sounds so incredible. Yeah. I both want to be a student and a faculty. I know, I know. So just please, because there might be some listeners out there who want to audition or yes. who want to. So what is the name of it again? It's the Broadway Theater Company, and theater is spelled with the R E at the end. So Broadway Theater Project. Sorry, not company. Broadway Theater Project. dot com. BTP for short. There's also a, a BTP Apprentices. 
Facebook page. The apprentices are our students. Okay. Um, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, and they keep in touch all year, year by year. There's new apprentices, and you know they, they launch into jobs. Oh. This. When Anne Reiking was with us, she's retired, but when she was with us, this was the place where she handpicked people for Fosse. You know? Yeah. People went from here into Fosse, here into Chicago, and oh it was like, okay, come on. Come on. That's, it was, it's a very special three weeks out of your life, and it's in July. You know, the three weeks in July. After July 4th for the rest of the three weeks in July. This is so special because I can see, like, wherever you are in the country, wherever you are in the world, you're there, you're taking your dance classes, you're taking your singing classes, and this is what you could be working towards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could be working all year round towards getting your skills together for these three weeks to be with these professionals. There's an application on the website. Uh-huh. And we travel, different, there are different regional auditions, mm-hmm. and there are video auditions, and there are video submissions, talk about using the digital uh-huh. age. Um, and, you know, it's, it's like I said, it, it, I, I'm almost speechless because it's, it's pretty amazing. I've been there several years. This year was magical. It's like I could not believe who walked through the door. We had original cast members from Merrily We Roll Along, like four of them. Oh my okay. gosh. Who came down and then they wanted to do scenes for Merrily. And we did scenes never before seen from the original 1981 Merrily. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel a little yeah. for Tanya, Tanya Pinkins came down. David Loud came down. Mana Allen and Ann Morrison came down, put up with these scenes. We did all sorts of fantastic work, you oh know. Nice. Deb McWaters, who's the head of, uh-huh. the, of the project, um, was Annie's right-hand woman, mm-hmm. associate choreographer. So, you know, we put original staging on the kids from all the great Fosse oh my shows. Gosh. And then the other choreographers come down as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm blanking, really, on mm-hmm. all the great names, but there, there are some people that come down and you go, what are you doing here? <laughs> oh, my God. Aren't you in a Broadway show right now? You know? <laughs> and they take a day or two off and they sneak down and, you know, and they do something spectacular with the kids. So it's a great, it's a great training ground. Oh, so David, okay, so now that was just a little <coughs> glimpse of what you do for three weeks of your life. Right, right, exactly. Where can we begin? Should we talk a little bit about your, your, your spark? How did you begin? How did you become a creative person that you are? He's an empire all in himself. I, yeah, I am an empire, yeah. <laughs> um, I started as an actor and a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was no choice for me. There was no, my, my family is... In the business, my brother, of course, is Ernie Sabella, who you may know, mm-hmm. who's been on Broadway for 30 years, wow. Broadway and TV, and was the original, and still the only voice you'll hear for Pumbaa on the Lion King for all the cartoons and the plush toys. It's all him. It's only wow. him, you know. So there was really no choice for me. Um, the choice was, you know, what do I go to school for, acting or singing, you know? And at that time, I was just a little more confident in my singing, so I went to school for singing, Okay, you know? And uh, came out of school, did my first international tour for 20 weeks of the year in Europe, and we did that for several years. And, you know, it was, I think, the typical early young artist's life in New York, you know, mm-hmm. living on the Upper West Side in a one-room apartment and, you know, the salad days and all of that and <laughs> hitting the pavement and auditioning and blah, blah, blah. And uh, then in 95... No, I have to say 93, I decided, hmm, I discovered a different voice for myself, which was countertenor, which was 
male soprano. Oh. Yeah. So after discovering that and thought, well, I should take this seriously, mm-hmm. I sort of really began to study that and emerged in 95 as a full-fledged Baroque operatic countertenor. Oh, wow. Yeah. And won several competitions, uh, namely among them the Luciano Pavarotti International Voice Competition, as one of the first countertenors ever to do that. Um, the Metropolitan Opera Eastern Regional Finals, the Oratorial Society of Carnegie Hall, oh you know, goodness. that sort of launched me into that part of my career. Suddenly I was singing all over the country in opera houses and at Lincoln Center a lot and wow. Carnegie Hall a lot. And then came Chicago out of that success. So I had, I had known how to sing that way for a long time. So when I walked into the audition for Chicago, uh, auditioning for the role of Mary Sunshine, and I just sort of did what I did. I arrived in a suit and I did what I did. And, <laughs> and by the time I got home, the message on my machine was, I got the job. Yeah. And the rest, as they say, is kind of history. Uh-huh. But the audience doesn't know, because my audience is worldwide. So right. tell them what happened when you played Mary Sunshine in Chicago. Uh, well, Mary, uh, if you've only seen the movie, it was Christine Baranski, but if you've seen the musical in any form, Mary Sunshine is always played by a man. And part of the pivotal plot point mm-hmm. is uh, Billy Flynn in the courtroom says, well, you must acquit. Like, sort of, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit, right? Yes. You must acquit, Roxy, because things are not always what they appear to be. Mm-hmm. And then he de-wigs me and defrocks me, and Mary Sunshine <laughs> is found out to be a man. Right. Okay? Uh-huh. But for the rest of the play, you're supposed to really believe that uh, she is, in fact, a woman. Mm-hmm. And there's a song, A Little Bit of Good, uh, that has lots of high notes in it, um, that, you know... I I sang and was able to sing. It was many years of my life, all total probably about seven, between the Broadway company, the touring company, going back and forth for um, vacation swings. When I left, you know, you never really leave Chicago. It's Mm -hmm. somewhere around the world. But uh, I have not done it since 2006, the 10-year anniversary, which was star-studded. Everyone who had ever done it Mm -hmm. came back to do it. Mm -hmm. And that was a great way to sort of sort of end my time with that show. You know, now, rather than Mary, I think I'd like to go back as Amos, because now I'm a little older. Uh-huh. And uh, I have children, so, you know, that's why I stay home. <laughs> Me too. So, yeah. I've also interviewed uh, Deirdre Goodwin. Oh, I love Dee Dee. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I did it with her, mm-hmm. me- I think, both in New York and Vegas. I think oh. she was in Vegas, yeah. Oh, gosh. You guys mm-hmm. really impressed me, you um, singers. And I've also had a lot of clients who were who came from opera, yeah. who moved to Broadway. Yeah. Um, from Porgy and Bess. I got right. this onslaught of clients from Porgy and Bess right. who wanted to move from Porgy and Bess to other Broadway right. shows and then to film and television. So talk about um, that. Well, you didn't really have to transition from opera. That wasn't really like a headspace for you. Right. Because I, I had always been aiming for music theater okay. in all my young life. Mm-hmm. And discovering this sort of high soprano voice, I thought, you know, what am I going to do in front of a band, you know, with a high soprano voice? You're either Cleo Lane or Wayne Newton, so, you know, (laughs) what am I going to do? So that's why I took the left turn into music theater, uh, sorry, into opera. Mm -hmm. But, you know, after three left turns, I wound up right back on Broadway, where I wanted to be in the first place. So it was kind of destiny for me, you know. And the acting had always been uh, a, a strong suit and a strong pursuit mm-hmm. for me, and one of the reasons why I kind of faded out of my uh, love of opera is that, you know, it really is that sound-based, and it's not 
the authentic acting based, you know. So it was like, hmm, I don't know if I want to do that all the time. You know, I prefer to do the authentic communication and acting, and there's voice involved, you know, but it's it's about the word. It's about the word. It's not about the sound. Now, you've also built an empire <laughs> on the interwebs and in person. Yeah. Um, teaching and coaching and sharing what you learn. How did that start? Um, I have to say that outgrew out of my association with NYSTA, the New York Singing Teachers Association. Mm -hmm. And their website is nyst.org. And uh, I am now currently the president of the association and the only two-term president in its 113-year history. Because my goal, when I came onto the board for them in the early 2000s, they had this series of courses for voice teachers, for voice professionals. Wow. In vocal anatomy, mm -hmm. in physiology, and acoustics, and repertoire, and pedagogy, and all these different courses that they were doing live, but not online. Now, this was in the days before on-demand was even a phrase. This man is ahead of his time, which yeah. is why I have him here. Yeah. This man is a maverick. He was talking online long. Uh, the industry is so yeah. far behind yeah. in tech, and you were so far ahead. We, I jumped ahead with and I, I said, we have to get these online. We have to make them on demand, available 24-7. Seriously, back then, no cable company had ever used the phrase on demand. When I said on demand to the board, they went, what is that? You, know. you could say that to a lot of people yeah. in the industry today, and they can still yeah. say, what is that? So it took us a good five or six years to run through all the courses and get them online, on demand, available 24-7. And now there are people all over the world taking these courses and increasing their awareness about how to sing and how to teach singing. This is so is important because in... Um, Acting teaching, the teaching of acting teachers. Yes, there's only That's one right. program. That's right. There's only one program, and I've done it three times. Right. But um, there's only one program, and it's not online. Right. It's decidedly. It has to be theater. It has to be in person. Exactly. It has to be. You know, and I think that is one of the things that's killing us, right. is our refusal to acknowledge right. this digital beast. It's it's the nature of. Of our age. You know, mm -hmm. we still hold on-site events, NYSTA does, you know, mm -hmm. uh, local events here. We had one, our opening event, with Vi Higginson, by the way, and oh. the Mama Foundation singers. Fantastic. Right. Um, teaching sort of the, the techniques and the history of gospel, right? Oh, wow. And 30 people showed up. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not a lot, you know. We had an online event two weeks ago, 80 people online from across the country and across the world. Right. Know? Because everyone's busy, everyone wants, everyone wants the information, but wants to sit at home and get it and be able to pause it and go deal with the baby and come back. And, you know, it's just that way. It's information on demand. It's changing the whole nature of, of how we learn, mm -hmm. you know, and what information is, yes. you know, which is ephemeral. It's, 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 not a, it's not a piece of paper anymore, mm -mm. you know, as the New York Times will tell you, you know, with dwindling subscriptions, you know, mm -hmm. it's information is that thing you can't touch, but it's out there and, and you must have it. Yes. You gotta have it. So it's how do we get the information out there? This segued into what I now do in my own private studio. Okay. This is a really big deal, you guys. His right. private studio is available to you wherever you are. 
David, please tell us, how can they find your private studio, first of all? Well, the the website is mm-hmm. Sabella Voice, S-A-B-E-L-L-A, voice.com. And uh, on that site, you'll see different tabs. And what I recently started about, I'd say, two or three years ago, was viewing a live lesson, being able to peek into a live lesson. Um, and then I also record those so you can view previous lessons. So this was developed because I tried to get many a master class together, again, with the students on site. Come to a master class. I'm having industry professionals come. And, and people's schedules are so divergent because we're all so incredibly taxed, you know, mm-hmm. with busyness. So I thought, there are things in this session, let's say, with my student, we'll call her Katie, you know, that Sarah could really benefit from, and she's got to see that, and how do we, and vice versa, and how do we make this virtual masterclass thing happen? Well, we had used, nice to have used Ustream TV for a lot of its early class recordings, so I began to use Ustream, and literally live stream, live broadcast, a lesson as was happening, with the client's permission, they sign a waiver, and they're okay with it, and then we record them. Now, not only for their benefit, to see themselves. Because if they're fidgety, or if they're... Here's what's always happened, you know. And I have to visually describe it. You know, someone sings and their eyebrows are very up and their forehead is crinkly. And they're singing like this. And you go, your eyebrows are crinkly. And you go, no, I'm not, really. I'm really <laughs> yes. not. And then they see it and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> your shoulders are up around your ears. No, really, it's not. Oh, yeah, look, there it is, you know. Yes, exactly. So when they see it, <laughs> Some it's would a learn visual from that. Yes. thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so... Almost every hour of my week in my private studio, not in any of the colleges I teach, because that's a different story, but in my private studio, almost every hour is uh, recorded and broadcast. Wow. And I have viewers who will track the progress of certain clients. I've had agents who have watched, because I've said, I'm kind of interested to hear you see this person, and they're busy, and they don't want to leave their office. I'm like, their lesson is at this time. Just just tune in. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you think. And I've had two or three people who've gotten representation. Wow. Without even knowing, they were auditioning for it. Just being themselves in my room, singing, going through their lesson, and someone goes, yeah, that person's really talented. Yeah, that's the person. Because when you're in front of the agent, or the, you know, it's that weird thing, like I'm myself, but I'm not really myself, what do I need to be? And when you're with your voice teacher, you're yourself! You know, so here we are, you know. One of the things I try to do is to get people to think of the audition as an extension of the rehearsal. Right. So it's just the next day the next in the thing. rehearsal process. That's right. You know, they've been rehearsing at home, they've been rehearsing with me, and now they're just extending that rehearsal to sharing it with the creatives. That's right. And, um, and that's what you're really giving them the opportunity to do. To do. Who you do. are in process. Yeah. And for parents of the young ones, like the college ones... Uh-huh. You know, parents can tune in. Grandparents can tune in. They can see it after the fact, you know, if they want to. And uh, if the the granddaughter or grandson wants to tell them about it. But, you know. um, And then they become more supportive. Oh, that... You know, and then they go, oh, you, you really do. You're really good at that. And they throw a little more money at the son or grandson or daughter or granddaughter because they get it. They're in... They become part of the creative process. And that is an unexpected benefit to, to what I'm doing, you know. But I am loving this. 
Now, um, just because I'm also creative, you don't run into anything about um, ASCAP, about the royalties from the song they're singing. That's okay? Most of the work is the technical instruction. Oh, so. Is the warm-ups and okay. the how-to, you know. Oh, wow. And when we get to singing the song, it's fragments of the oh, song. okay. It's not a performance. It's not anything you could sell or want to sell. It's an absolute it's an rehearsal. educational rehearsal process. Yeah, and I think educational use is different anyway. Extremely, yeah. Yes. That, that's what it is, you know. Now, in addition to that, since we're talking about, you know, digital technology mm-hmm. in use in the studio... There are lots of other ways that we use digital technology, of course. Um, every piece of music I own, and I'm talking probably 300,000 songs, are on the cloud. And so... Okay, how many gigs do you have up there? You must yeah. have the biggest I have storage I've ever uh, heard of. No, no. There, it's not that much, because uh-huh. they're all compressed. Uh-huh. You know, I use now probably about... 70 gigs out of 100, maybe oh. 80 gigs out of 100. It's not that not much. Not that bad. No, it's not mm-hmm. that much. And they're viewable on every device I have, and they're downloadable, and they're printable, and I can email, you don't have this piece of music? I hear it is, you know. Just like you would share with a client, you know, what it is. And I also use a program called Voce Vista. Now, if you don't know this program... This I don't. Is, okay. Please enlighten us. Okay, so, oh, David Sabella. <laughs> oh, David Sabella. <laughs> well, you know, 90% of my clientele are uh, singers who have had, I would call, the traditional form of training, mm-hmm. uh, which in... which west of the Hudson, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, and in, our, in what we would call the provinces of our beautiful country, um, is classical. Traditional voice training is classical voice training. So they get to town wanting to take Broadway by storm, and they have a voice characteristic that Broadway is not really interested in. That really is what happens. It's too lofted, it's too this, it's too singery, it's not authentic. It represents artifice rather than art. It's Mm. the sound for the sound's sake. So, like I said, uh, uh, 90% of my business is taking that person to a more speech-level theater delivery, you know, this is how you sing healthfully in many different styles. Mm -hmm. People today are very visual learners. They don't often hear at first the difference, but if they see it on the computer, then they can affect the change in it. Now, how do you get to see sound? That's what Voce Vista does, to see the voice, Voce Vista, to see it, okay? And so I have them sing into the microphone, and I have a special little uh, gentle collar they wear around the neck, mm-hmm. which sometimes we use, called the EGG Electroglottalgram. And from this... Oh my gosh, I just... I know, right? I got a little You're tingly. tingly. <laughs> I got another tingle. <laughs> <coughs> so say the young soprano is totally convinced uh-huh. that she's belting, mm-hmm. but she's really not, and we know she's not. Or vice versa. The, the belter is totally convinced she's in her head voice, but mm-hmm. she's really not. You right. can tell that. But she can't really tell and negotiate the difference. Then using the program, I can say to them, because what the program does is it shows you the harmonic overtones that your voice is producing. Wow. And based upon which harmonic overtones are amplified mm-hmm. rather than diminished, you're in a certain voice uh, characteristic, mm-hmm. you know, and so I can say, no, no, see, if this line were hotter, were brighter, then we'd know you were in your head voice. 
If these three lines were hotter, we'd know you were in a mix. And if this line is hotter, well, then you're clearly in your chest-dominant belt, you know. And so they can see one or the other. And they go, mm, -mm I need to be headier. And they play around with it because they visually see it respond. Nice. And because our lovely young students today are very visual learners, mm -hmm. they can affect that change. And suddenly they go, oh, now I get the difference. Now I see the difference and I hear the difference and now I know what to do. And it literally cuts months out of the process. Of trying to, it's ear training to get them to hear the sound I'm looking for, but it's turned into visual visualization training. So they first see the difference and then they can constantly duplicate it in one way or another. The other use for the EGG, the collar, is it measures the, the percentage of closure of your vocal folds, okay? So if you're belting, of course, your vocal folds are more closed more of the time. And if you're in your head voice, they're more open more of the time within the cycle, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a way for them to realize that, to go, oh, wow, that's a lot of work. See how much work? You're, you're closed 70% of the time. That's a lot of work. Don't you feel that work? Let's see if we can get that to 40% of the time. And they affect a little change, and the sound changes, and they see the percentage drop, and all of a sudden they go, oh, that's what that feels like. Oh, that's what my breath support is doing for me, etc. So it's, it's sometimes a little clinical, but only when I feel like we've got to get through this quickly, and this is the quickest way to do it. I think that... For me, for a non-singer who's never been able to sing, no one's been ever, ever able to Everybody teach me to sing. Everybody can sing. Everybody, if you can talk, you can sing. One thing I want for before I'm 50, <laughs> and I've been, um, is that I thought maybe the Lord would bless me <laughs> with the ability, but maybe I'll just get my husband to buy me some lessons <laughs> from Mr. David Savella. Well, well, you've got 10 years, so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I have two questions. Which way should I go first? So I guess, um, one thing I'm really interested in is, uh, I'm creating this class called, um, Acting in the Digital Age, and we're creating digital tools for actors to use, and I'm actually teaching at the studio at NYU, and it's singers, actors, dancers. So they're creating, um, a audition video. And right. in the audition right. video, I'm having them sing sort of a regular, and I'm not a singing teacher, so this right. is a real question. Right. Colleague to colleague. Right. They're singing a more traditional something, mm -hmm. and I asked them to do something unplugged. Right. Can you describe um, what, what that would mean sort of in the industry from sure. your point of view? Sure. Unplugged without the use of, of microphone technology that enhances the resonance or completes the gesture. The, the unplugged ability is a paramount, is, is a, no, a pillar of the traditional voice technique because in traditional voice technique, you have to self-amplify. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to hit the back wall. Whether it's belting like Ethel Merman or, or the legit singing like Julie Andrews, you have to hit the back of the wall. Right? Mm -hmm. Today's market does not rely on that at all. And that's really an issue. Even the revivals that are done, like the latest Kiss Me Kate revival that was done a few years ago versus the original Kiss Me Kate, keys are lowered, orchestrations are changed, not because the singer can't sing them. Of course, Marin Maisie could have sung it in the right key, but in the original key, I should not say right, but the original key, but because in our 
time period in our technology, in our life, the word, the delivery of the word, and the advent of microphones makes it available so that you don't have to make that sound to hit the back of the hall. So we can actually hear the word. So, so in love, for instance, was taken down like a third or a fourth. But it was right. It was the right moment. It was the right sentiment. It was the right thing. You hear, let's say, the famous examples of high contemporary belting, like in Wicked or in Brooklyn, another musical, that a lot of the girls really aim for. Wicked still is sort of a benchmark of, I want to get to that F that Elphaba has to sing. You know? mm-hmm. Well, that F, acoustically unplugged, does not sound anything like what it is on stage with the microphone. Mm-hmm. And when the young singer aims for the final product, and they're acoustically not plugged in, they're, not, they're never going to get it. They're going to hurt themselves trying to get it. The feeling of doing that is much less aggressive, much less chesty than one might think mm-hmm. when you hear the, the final product. And it's a real concern in conservatories and universities that teach music theater because now, in some of the best conservatories, we're seeing training in the use of the microphone. This is what your sound will sound like when it goes through that audio processing. That's what we want. It's not the sound you're making in the room, but that's what it turns into. Okay? So there's a difference between sound wave is what comes out of your body. Audio is what goes into the mic and comes out of the speakers. Okay? Mm -hmm. So we teachers of voice deal with sound wave, but now, more than ever, we have to start dealing with audio wave. What is the final product? How do we get our student to or client to safely make the sound that in the final product will be the right sound? One of the best examples of this, and you should have her on also, Melissa Cross, mm-hmm. who's known as the Queen of Scream. She's one of those <laughs> wonderful voice teachers who does mm-hmm. all of the heavy metal oh. rock bands. Mm-hmm. And I have had a few opportunities to be with her and talk with her. And those screams, those deaf jam ah, screams, mm-hmm. she does it into the microphone. And literally in the room, it's no more than, ah, it's that. Maybe a little more reinforced with volume, mm-hmm. but it's so much lighter than what you think. And the microphone completes that gesture. And all the kids in heavy metal are trying to do that acoustically and hurting their voices because they don't know the process. They don't know that, oh, it's, it's really aided by a microphone. It really is that final gesture. And therefore, the actor who does that on stage and goes into that sort of rock position, that's acting. That's so where your acting comes in. Really, it's... <coughs> so if someone wanted to achieve, say, in a YouTube audition video... Right. Um, a more gritty, unplugged feel yeah. of a performance, yeah. what would you suggest if they were singing? Well, it depends on what they're singing. Oh, it goes back to the word. Yeah, it goes back to what they're singing. <laughs> mm-hmm. If they're doing a legit performance, mm-hmm. you know, of a soprano or legit male voice, mm-hmm. you know, acoustically, here's, here's, here's the secret right here. Okay. The big secret. Your mouth your throat shape determines the type of work your vocal folds are going to do. Not vice versa. 
everyone thinks that it's, you know, from lungs to throat to mouth and out. And that's one linear progression. Now, the latest voice science proves to us it's not linear, it's nonlinear. That what happens up here above your voice box actually affects your voice box. There's an interplay up and down the whole vocal tract. Mm -hmm. So the shape of your throat, which is above your vocal tract, is actually going to determine the type of work your vocal folds are able to do. Now you know this, and of your listeners, if you tried to sing an E vowel on a high note and tried to belt it, it's near impossible. Mm-hmm. The E vowel won't belt up high. It turns into a legit sound. Because mm-hmm. the shape of the vocal tract determines right. you're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So in order to belt that, you have to widen it and modify it. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Contemporary sounds are wider vowels. East-West orientation. Mm. Legit sounds are longer vowels. North-South orientation. Okay? Mm-hmm. So when you want to give a legit performance... You have to stand in front of the mirror, and you have to make sure that all those vowels, E-A-R-O-U, are legit, long vowels. When you want that to turn wide, E-A-R-O-U, they're all wider. And that is the way the singer, without the microphone, controls and determines the type of sound that's coming out of their mouth. Oh, wow. Source filter theory is what it's called, source and filter, Mm. and how they interplay. That's the voice box and Everything above it. Mm-hmm. That's the resonator, the filter of the voice. Okay, so another way to, to really describe this is the bass and treble knob on your radio. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right. You hit one station, you stay on that station, mm-hmm. but you play with the bass and treble and you right. get different sounds. Yes, you do. You know, or the graphic equalizer and you punch up different sounds. So your wider vowels punch up different harmonics and they make your sound that contemporary belty cry sound that you hear on the radio. Mm-hmm. The legit shapes take us into, you know, the long shapes take us into the more legit soprano, tenor, you know, longer sounds. So one, so if one were choosing material, um, sort of according to what I have them doing is they're choosing material according to their essences in right. terms of who they are, their right. different sides of themselves. Right. Right. So, and of course, some sides of themselves, let's say the, the, on the more legit side, right. just for sake of argument, um, let's say they were choosing, uh, one guy I have is um, this, he's like this, uh, he's actually beautiful, beanpole, mm. tall, blonde beanpole, and he sings like a, um, he has actually a deep voice, but he's like, um, gosh, I let me just bring him up. There oh, yes. His beautiful self. Yes. And he has, he's way ahead of it. He has some singing clips. Great. And so here's like an example of a singing clip. And I would love some advice about how to help them improve. Um, presenting themselves. Right. Wow.
Does he write his own zero? Mm-hmm. Good. He's a little Harry Connick Jr. I love this kid. Yeah. He's taken to this whole thing like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> How old is he? Um, he? They are seniors. Wow. Anyway, what kind of advice would you give um, somebody, like, because that is their sort of, un, you know, their quote-unquote unplugged, unplugged right, version. Right, um, Are you asking me if I look at this video, what do I want out of this video, technologically, or out of his voice, technically? I guess I'm asking you technologically, right. because... I mean, I think the voice lesson would be a whole nother, you right. have to sit down with him. And, right. and But I think you understand both. Right. Putting the video out on YouTube is a great idea. Mm -hmm. um, the And I'm not sure whether it was the speakers we heard it out of or the mic he used, but he sounded a little distant. I want mm -hmm. him more up front. So do you think that I should have the singers be closer to the microphone? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would. Now, unplugged, mm -hmm. in a singer sense, does not mean no microphone application at all in okay. some senses. It means no digital processing. Unplugged means no auto-tune, no, no effects to the voice, no reverb, no wet, no... no. That's, you know, he's unplugged. He'd still be unplugged if he sang a little closer to the mic. And we just heard his acoustical voice without any processing or digital manipulation of that voice. Good. Auto-tune is... A big use. It's a big, you know, it, it's an issue, it's a blessing, it's a problem, it's everything all in one, you know. It it can turn spoken word into really amazing high pitches. <laughs> it can correct your pitch when you're out of tune. Right. Um, and we haven't, we have not yet, I think, tipped the iceberg, or gotten past the tip of the iceberg, it was to what that's going to do, really, to the industry of of commercial singing voice. They don't use auto-tune on Broadway yet, thank God. But they do have sound designers on Broadway. And every Broadway show has the person at the back of the house with the big soundboard. Mm -hmm. And they can work wonders with your voice, you know. So the best way for me to advise my actors is to to present themselves for, like, people coming to see them would yeah. be to actually be using a microphone. Okay. Um, to some extent. In the room, if they're live in the room, mm -hmm. they might not need a microphone. Right. Right. But if they're putting out a video, yes. they definitely need that upfront, close quality of the mic. As if we heard them in the room. Okay. Like, that sounds like we're in the next room. Okay. Good. But we're, we want to be in the same room with them. Good. Know? Um, so glad I met you. Oh. <laughs> you don't know. Thank you so much. You're helping you're helping not only my listeners, but my right. students so right. much. Right, right. right. <laughs> I mean, this is information I it's really didn't know. It's to duplicate the live experience. Right. And they need that to right. duplicate the live right. experience. Okay. So, the singer cannot 
change the way they want to sing when they're duplicating the live experience in a traditional uh, format, okay. let's say. And I would consider that a tra- folky, traditional. Right. When, and I'm talking specifically when we're now talking about what's known as the contemporary belt that's used on Broadway and in pop music, like the top of Beyonce's yeah. voice in, in, in Listen or yeah. the top of Mariah Carey's voice or, you know, and what's used on Broadway now in Wicked and uh, in the Heights and Avenue Q and all those contemporary-based shows, Kinky Boots, etc. Right. In those cases... Because those are the shows that, my, that people want to be in. Right. <laughs> those, those are shows. In those cases, mm-hmm. what happens on stage does sound much different than what gets to the audience through the speakers. And that's what the young artist doesn't realize. Because they listen to the recording, and they want to duplicate in their bedroom what they hear in the recording. And they begin to push. They begin to try to match what the technology offers that singer. So in the final outcome, and I say this with all of my clients, when you're doing this right, you're going to think like, A, you're not really singing, and B, you're cheating. Because it's too easy. It needs to be easy. It needs to be something you can do eight times a week. It has to be, or you can't do it. You can't do it. Right. You right. know? That's why opera singers don't do it eight That's times right. a week. <laughs> right. right. And so these girls hear Adina Menzel on the recording for mm-hmm. Wicked, and they try to do that that they hear out of the speakers. Like, well, she, even she couldn't do that eight times a week. Here's how you do that. Here's what that really feels like. And the sound in the room is. As impressive, but not as loud. Okay? It is the right sound character, but to the singer, to the young woman singing that, it feels completely different than what you think it will by hearing someone else do it. Oh my goodness, you are just schooling me! (laughs) This is school. So, for someone who is, for instance, if they were to submit an audition... Yeah. Or, or create an audition for the summer, f- or or for you right. because they wanted to to work with you. Right. Um, what is the best way for them to record themselves singing and acting for you? Um, I don't, you know, for me, or, or uh, for, the, for, as, for the profession. Yeah, I should say. Uh, you know, use a good quality mic. The microphone that you want to use for professional for, for application of you know coming into the profession. Let's say that is a microphone that has 28,000 hertz frequency response rate or greater. Knowing, and this is the little secret, you know, the tone you're singing is not all that we hear. We're totally influenced by the overtones that are within that tone you're singing. Overtones happen really high up in the spectrum. Okay, Most microphones on a computer or you know, on a camera, and, yeah, on a camera, you know, they top out at 14,000 hertz because that's the top of the speaking range. That means any information that's above 14,000 hertz, I can't hear, I don't get. So the voice clips mm-hmm. or the microphone overloads or, you know, so the quality of your hardware is the most important thing. So we need to make sure we have the uh, the... We're going to Google that, and we're going to make sure yeah. we have the right microphone. Yeah. And how close does the, does the microphone or the camera need to be it, for the singer? Yeah, it doesn't need to be that close, depending on the gain, right? Mm-hmm. It's just as if you were right in the room. Right like, the I room. would hear that, that mm-hmm. the clip we just played, and great. Now, I just moved the microphone maybe two or three feet closer to him, mm-hmm. or just two or 
two feet away from him. You know, oh. so that it might, it depends on the mic. Was it this kind of mic that you used? Um, no, he's uh, he's singing to the camera mic, I think. The camera mic. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's the issue there, is that mm -hmm. the camera mic. Okay. Almost all the time, you should use a, an external plug-and-play microphone. Oh. Almost all the time. Okay. The camera microphones are never built to capture that full spectrum of voice. So it's, it's missing information. Now, it's not missing information... Like the fundamental pitch, you can hear it. Mm -hmm. But you know what that vital information is in the overtones? It's the information that makes the hair on your arm stand up. Oh. When you hear that tone and you get a visceral response to it, that's because of the overtones. Mm -hmm. And when you're putting something out on the Internet and you want to get a really good professional response, you need everyone to hear those overtones. Honey! I'm getting that microphone for my, <laughs> my students. You hear that? That is a done deal. This, this we is are getting it. that microphone. This is it. The okay. Yeti, yeah, the Yeti or Samson. Mm -hmm. You know, don't look for price point. Mm -hmm. Just look for frequency response rate. Okay. Twenty-eight thousand or higher frequency response rate, and it's going to be printed on the side of the box. Right. If it isn't, it's not. The right and so one. we use the camera, and then we'll and then we'll put it together use it later. On the mic, yes. Yeah. Oh, great. And you know how you do that? You just mm -hmm. clap. Yes. When you clap and you hit that stamp, then that syncs up the audio and the video, you yes. know. Yeah, and that is the best. And there are cheap mics you can do for that, you know. But if you're going to put yourself out in the digital age as a singer, mm -hmm. you better be sure that I hear all of the necessary information, which is not just the fundamental frequency of your tone. Okay, you have just schooled me. Now I should pay you some money. But before, <laughs> but before I before I pull out my checkbook, oh my God, and it's twelve o'clock, and I gotta let you go. Please tell us how we can work with you. Um, give us the deal about how. Um, tell us about the Skype sessions. Yes, and how we can I work do, with you. I do about forty percent of my business online via Skype or Uvu mm -hmm. is another platform or Google Hangouts or um, Tango. There's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I prefer either Skype or Uvu. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also augment that with an ability to record. Like Skype right now doesn't record the session, but Ecamm, just E-C-A-M-M. -M yes, I know them. Yes. You can record the Skype call, and then you have a video document of the lesson, just like you would if you were there in the room. Yes. Uvu has that built into their platform, mm -hmm. and that's O-O-V-O-O dot -O -O com. And so you have the, the recording, so you can refer back to it and tell me what. Um, I do have clients in almost every time zone. I work a lot. Um, yeah, much to the chagrin of my husband and children. You know, because when they go to bed, I'm like, I sorry, I'm going to Alaska. I gotta go. Be back in an hour. I'm going to Alaska. You know, and uh, and a lot of my clients who started, I, one client in Alaska, another in Chicago, mm -hmm. that they now came to New York, and they got into the university of their choice, nice. and they're starting their you know, Career. their, their careers, mm -hmm. having studied remotely. All right, you know, David. It's, it's, when it works well, it works great. And it's, it's a, totally dependent on your hardware. Grow where you are planted. That's right. That's a great saying. I love Grow that. Grow where you are planted. Yes, because it, it makes it available to everybody. And yeah. that's what the digital age does. That's right. It means that you can't use location as an excuse for that's you not right. going for your dream. That's right. And so people find me through mm -hmm. my website, sabellavoice.com, uh, and you can call me. The number's on the website too, but I'll give it to you. It's 917-374-5868. If you're interested in auditioning for the Broadway Theater Project, 
um, go to their website to download the application. You can also call me directly about that, um, but their, their application is right on their website as well, and I hope to see you in the summer. You guys, I, on behalf of my audience and on behalf of myself, my students, thank you. Sometimes I feel like those words aren't strong enough. Thank you so much You're for being welcome. so generous and sharing yourself and all your knowledge with us. I am going to take it and run. Thank you. <laughs>